0: Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary. This is episode 444 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. This episode is called Year of the Dragon. It is February 3rd, 2024, and this is Jen. I got a lot to talk about as usual, so we're just going to go right into it in case you missed it. Blizzard has announced Joanna Ferris as the new president of Blizzard Entertainment. This was posted on Blizzard Entertainment's um, site, basically, on January 29, 2024. There's a letter that was posted out for everybody else to see, but the email was delivered to all of the Blizzard employees. Right away. So here's a little bit from what she wrote in this letter Dear Blizzard, through my official first day with you, though my official first day with you is February 5th, I want to let you know immediately that it is an honor to join you next week in this new capacity. I do so humbly and in awe of all that Blizzard has stood for and delivered to the world for over 30 years. Today also brings some mixed emotions. The loss of talented teammates in recent days is hard to hold side by side with the immense excitement I feel about joining Blizzard and building on the momentum you've created for Blizzard's next chapter. I want to thank Matt for the introduction. I have no idea who Matt is. Uh, Bring some further clarity to today's announcement and share some more about how I see our future together at Blizzard. I understand this is a lot to take in, you mm-hmm. The news of my appointment may no doubt bring up a range of reactions, questions, and even concerns. Activision, Blizzard, and King are decidedly different companies with distinct games, cultures, and communities. It is important to note that Call of Duty's way of waking up in the morning to deliver for players can often differ from the stunning games in Blizzard's realm, each with different gameplay experiences, communities that surround them, and requisite models of success. I've discussed this with the Blizzard leadership team, and I'm walking into this role with sensitivity to those dynamics and deep respect for Blizzard as we begin to explore taking our universes to even higher heights. I am committed to doing everything I can to help Blizzard thrive with care and consideration for you and our games, each unique and special in their own right. I'm optimistic about our ability to serve your our current and f- future player communities and to further amplify the shared passion for greatness, polish, and creative mastery that is a hallmark of Blizzard's approach to game making. Next week, I will be in Irvine and I am eager to connect with as many of you as possible. I will be scheduling informal and totally optional meet and greets where I want to hear more from people across the organization. Those of you who cannot make it to those gatherings or aren't located in Irvine, please feel free to email me. We are also planning a town hall to be held in the near future. A few personal facts about me. My number one job in life is raising two amazing boys. In addition to parenthood, a typical week for me includes finding time for daily yoga and prayer. And, of course, playing video games. Big Diablo fan over here. That is so good to hear, right? Uh, They're not going to axe Diablo 4. (laughs) That's great. Throughout the joy I find in games and working with those who make them only deepens, I remain inspired by Blizzard's iconic legacy and the transformative role gaming has played in my life and the lives of others. I cannot wait to get going, to listen, to learn, to empower, and to collaborate with all of you on our bold and bright future together. Together we may forge many legendary days ahead. Signed, Joanna. Charlie Intel has, um, we might know who Charlie Intel is if you're on X slash Twitter, and he tends to write about things, uh, generally including Call of Duty, but also other games and Activision things like that. So Charlie Intel wrote this on January 30th. Activision, Blizzard, and Microsoft continued the layoffs today, January 30th, laying off a majority of the esports team. There's about 12 people left on the esports team now. Microsoft waited until the CDL staff came back from Boston Major this part this past weekend before informing them. So imagine being part of the eSports team and then you go back to the office and they're like, yeah, you're fired. You know, that's that just sucks. I don't know what the heck they're doing over there, but it ain't good. Insider Gaming reported also on January 30th, 2024. More layoffs at Activision Blizzard target eSports division. This one's got a little bit more information than what Charlie Intel has because there's only so much you can stick in a tweet, right? So just days after Microsoft let go of 1,900 people the company is holding more layoffs at Activision Blizzard. According to Charlie Intel, it appears as though a major of the esports team at Activision Blizzard has been let go. The layoffs happened just two days after the Call of Duty League wrapped up its Boston Breach Major One event. Scott Parkin, former senior manager of esports operations at Activision Blizzard, took to Twitter to confirm the news while venting frustration. Quote, they did it. They actually did it, he said. They let us work with that over our heads and laid us off on our first day off. The lack of common decency is a joke, end quote. Caster Matt Morello also confirmed he had been let go as part of the layoffs. Quote, unfortunately today, along with a lot of other amazing esports folks, I have been let go from Blizzard, he said. On Monday, Microsoft appointed former Activision executive Joanna Ferries as Blizzard's next president. She is expected to start her role uh, with Blizzard on February 5th. And there's um, a thing here from someone named Mike Straw, and I'm not sure who that is exactly, but I'd have to go to X to find out. But Mike Straw wrote this, and it was embedded into the Insider Gaming article. Activision has declined an official comment on the layoffs within the esports team. However, sources tell me that the esports department of the company isn't shutting down entirely. Instead, the company, I'm told, says Mike Straw, is going to a new business model that required changes to be made. There's currently no estimate as to how many people were let go from the Activision Blizzard uh, in the latest round of layoffs. It's also unclear if these layoffs are part of the announced 1,900 cuts. That said, it's rumored that there are only about a dozen people left on the esports team within the company. Sources tell Insider Gaming that the esports division isn't going away rather than just a new business model to better align with new goals for the team. Activision Blizzard declined to comment on the layoffs because of course they did wowhead has an article titled blizzard entertainment survival game development canceled this was from nine days ago written by archimetros that game is gone that game is gone they've axed it it's gone it's just you know here's here's what archimetros wrote about this alongside the announcement of 1900 layoffs and the departure of blizzard president mike ubara and co-founder alan adham blizzard's unannounced survival game has been canceled Revealed shortly after news of the Microsoft acquisition in January of 2022, little information about the game was ever released to the public aside from vague recruitment posts throughout the abandonment of the unfinished projects is not heard of, as the cancellation of the ambitious MMO Titan famously led to the development and release of Overwatch in 2016. As reported by The Verge... Microsoft Game Content and Studios President Booty, yep, that's his last name, says Microsoft will be shifting some of the people working on it to one of several promising new projects Blizzard has in the early stages of development. And there is an original post here that says create a new universe with us, and it's got this, like, portal opening into, um, you know, it looks like there's a city higher up and that these two people have come down here, possibly on a bike, And they're looking into this portal where there's like a blue sky and a castle floating and all this good stuff. And that's kind of where they are with that. So this is what was posted originally when this game was kind of sort of vaguely announced but it's gone now it's absolutely gone now so i'll read you just a little bit of this blizzard is embarking on our next quest we are going on a journey to a whole new universe home to a brand new survival game for pc and console a place where full of heroes we have yet to meet stories yet to be told and adventures yet to be lived a vast realm of possibility waiting to be explored every story needs a teller and every world needs builders What if that could be you? For 30 years, Blizzard has been creating universes for millions of players around the globe. This requires a diverse team of developers willing to lend their voices, to listen, and to be heard. That is our mission. Do you like survival games? Do you want to join a collaborative team of experienced developers at the early stage of a new project in a new world and help write the next chapter in Blizzard's story? This is your call to adventure. Will you answer it? Some people did, and they got laid off. So moving on from layoffs and things like that, there's an article from PC Gamer written by Rich Stanton, and it's titled, The First Diablo and Warcraft Games Just Appeared on Battle.net. And Rich Stanton said, kind of surprised they weren't on there already, and there's a picture from the original Diablo game, or maybe the, the sequel kind of thing. So I'll read you this. Blizzard has announced that Warcraft, Orcs, and Humans... Diablo, and Warcraft 2 are now available on Battle.net, though it was news to me, says the writer, that they weren't on there already. The games had been available on GOG for the last or GOG, basically, uh, for the last three to four years, and it seems that when Blizzard committed to remastering certain of its older titles itself, it handed the more straightforward re-releases to c- the CJ CD project owned store. These are the original games, not the remasters. The games do, however, come in a feature-packed state, including their original multiplayer modes and any expansions. The first Warcraft game, and its slightly silly subtitle, includes two dozen missions across two separate campaigns, help the humans defend their home against the uh, home world against the orcish invaders, or lead the horde in their rentless conquest. Custom games to hone your skills, select from 21 bonus maps and play against a Computer controlled opponent to learn how to lead your forces more effectively. Two player versus mode go head to head with another human and prove who is the master strategist in highly comp- uh, com- customizable multiplayer matches, and command the battlefield, outflank your enemies and gain glory, or suffer crushing defeat, and be the Forgotten forever. The original Diablo, which he says he hasn't played in decades, but remember as an absolute blast, featured three classes, multiplayer, and 16 levels of old-school, randomly generated dungeons to hoover up loot in. Maybe if Diablo 4's live service shenanigans aren't your speed, this could be just the tonic. Warcraft 2, Tides of Darkness, is also a classic of its time, though understanding somewhat overshadowed by the all-conquering Warcraft 3 and its incredible afterlife. These were far from Blizzard's first games, but given what the company has become, are arguably where it started for many of the company's fans. The early years of Blizzard really were lightning in a bottle. Something like Orcs and Humans may feel quite rudimentary now, but indeed, co-founder Frank Pierce said these games were just not that fun anymore in 2016. But I'm one of those maniacs who every so often goes back to play the original UFO, Enemy Unknown. You should see my framerate. Um, and it goes on from there just a little bit. And I remember playing the first Diablo game and the expansion of it over and over again when I was, I think I'd just finished college and was out on my own, my own apartment for the first time and all that kind of stuff. And um, I played it through the night and into the morning and I was always surprised when the sun was coming up because it didn't feel like I'd played that long. So I'm... Glad that people will get the opportunity to play the first Diablo and Warcraft games. I don't think I ever played the first Warcraft game. I don't think I was aware of it at the time. Yeah, I mean, you can play these again, but there is a catch to it. Now, right now, on Battle.net, you can get, you can buy... The Diablo game, the action RPG, which includes the Hellfire expansion. That's what I was looking for a minute ago, Hellfire expansion. And it's for, like, just 10 bucks. It's like $9.99. You can buy it now, you can gift it to somebody, you can add it to a wishlist. There's a little bit of, just a tiny little bit of description in here, so... It's got the uh, Diablo face from one of these boxes, and it says, Terror rises, darkness stirs beneath the town of Tristram. A mad king, his missing son, and a mysterious archbishop are all pieces of the puzzle you need to hack through. You have journeyed to the source of this evil. A cathedral stands in Tristram, built over the ruins of an ancient monastery. Eerie lights and ungodly sounds echo through its abandoned halls. Tread softly, adventurer. For you, tread on nightmares. And it's got, you know, different features of the game. Um, It was, I guess it started in 1997, which would put me about probably when I was just getting out of college so it says experience the legendary action RPG that defined a genre 1997's Diablo set the stage for a new type of game that combined fast paced action, deep character customization, intense multiplayer combat, and dark gothic fantasy in one bone chilling package you can um, choose your destiny, storm Diablo's halls as either a warrior a sorcerer or a rogue, each with unique skills and abilities, and unite to destroy Diablo, join forces with up to three other players, delve into the hell bound depths beneath tristram and face the prime evil together there are system requirements for this here's what you need you need to have windows that's what you need uh the operating system should be windows 7 Uh, slash 8.1 slash 10 the video is a direct x9 graphics device with wddm 1.0 or higher driver storage is one gigabyte available on hard disk space because it wasn't that big of a game Uh, processor is one gigahertz ghz or faster and memory is 2g ram Um, it's considered to be in the action genre It only plays on Windows, so I'm kind of disappointed because I loved that game back in the day. You know, I'd love to go back to it. I don't know if I'd still like it because it was like, that was my game way back when, you know, and and I can't play it because I'm on a Mac instead. So I don't know. Maybe, considering, and this is just a guess, but I'm hoping that if Microsoft, maybe they can stick it on the Xbox and I can play it again sometime, but I don't really believe that's going to happen. I'm just being hopeful here. Diablo Immortal has a howler hunt. You can play now through February 21. It is a limited time event. Diablo Immortal on uh, Twitter wrote, Our new limited time event is looking a little sus. It has like two little eyeballs there. The bloodthirsty howler has infiltrated a group of adventurers. You must find it and kill it before it kills you play now until february 21st only in diablo immortal and there's a little wolf icon next to that so that's kind of neat there's a little 13 second video if you want to check it out everything i talk about today will be in the show notes at shattered soulstone.com in addition there's a whole thing here for diablo immortal and it says seek abundance in tong Shi's renewal that was posted on january 29 by blizzard entertainment we wish you abundance in Sanctuary, Adventurer. With fireworks setting the sky ablaze in celebration and loved ones in our company, we turn our attention to the new year before us. May it unravel to reveal happiness, luck, and fond memories for us to look back on. We wish you a happy Lunar New Year. Due to the upcoming holiday, we will not be releasing a content update in two weeks and will instead release our next content update about three weeks from now. This update is a real firecracker, so without delay, let's dig in as with previous content updates there will be server maintenance starting on january 30th which we've passed already Um, so that's done you don't need to worry about that right now and um, after the maintenance has concluded all items mentioned below will be live specific dates for any content going live afterward are provided below so we have tong shi's renewal limited time event Tang Shi, the god of the Xeon Pantheon, I hope I said that right, invites you to his renewal, a call to bask in the fading glow of a finished year and begin the cycle anew, and welcome a new year with open arms and optimism. From January 31st to February 25 2:59 59 a.m. server time, players can complete up to five tasks a day to earn festive rewards such as red bags and Tysium. The five tasks to complete for rewards include Dungeons, Elder Rifts, Killing Elite Monsters, Bounties, and Defeating Jin Gwyn, who becomes available to destroy on February 9th, so you got a few days before you can kill him. Completing these tasks earns you the Red Bags and Tseum. There is no limit to the number of times you can complete these tasks for rewards, but there is a weekly limit for how many rewards you can earn, to a limit of 30 Red Bags and 100 TCM each week that allows Shi's Renewal is active. Okay, so there's that. There's a picture here of what these bags look like. Red bags are celebratory Tong Shi's renewal rewards that can be gifted to a friend or to your clan. Not only will you receive rewards when you open red bags sent to you, but you'll also receive rewards for sending red bags. Spread the blessings of Tong Shi's renewal by sending and receiving as many red bags as you can get your hands on. Don't forget to claim a free red bag every day as you log in from the Login Rewards tab within the event, which will not contribute to your overall limit. Completing daily event tasks can also le- yield tsums. Each time you contribute a teesum, you'll receive a random reward. It could be gold, scrap, dust, glowing shards, or a gem. Turning in numerous TCM will combine multiple amounts of the same reward. Example, turn in 10 TCM, you may receive 50 gold. Each t-sum it turned in during the limited time event contributes 500 gold to Tongxi's trove. Tongxi's trove will grant double the gold deposited if it's claimed after February 17. Players can also receive rewards such as the Bound Legendary Crests and Spark Cask for logging in on the following dates. Uh, some of them are over um, February 3, I guess it's still February 3 where I am in California, then February 6th, 9th, 10th, 14th, 17th, 21st and 24th. There's also a thing called Jin Goon, I hope I'm saying that right, Eater of Mountains, so I'm gonna guess he's big. Uh, from January 31 to February 8, got a few days for that too, uh, local server time, band together with fellow adventurers and hunt down the Fable terror jingoon eater of mountains. While the hunt for jingoon is afoot, you can complete a daily task that transports you outside the world of sanctuary to locate signs of jingoon which reward you with gold, scrap, and dust. Once jingoon has been found on February 8th, you will be able to claim three rare chests and begin creating raids to fight jingoon. Your first van- vanquishing of jingoon grants one to pearl and one random legendary item. There's also the howler hunt limited time event, which I mentioned a little bit, but this has some more stuff i <laughs> of a full moon rises, and the blades that were once at the throat of your enemies rest warily next to your foes. From January 31 to February 21, 3 a.m. server time in the Howler Hunt event, one of you shall betray the other this night, but strike falsely in your ranks thin. The bloodthirsty Howler has infiltrated a group of adventurers. Find it and kill it before it kills you. Available at level 30 and above, you have been tasked with obtaining sacred energy from Sacred Words and submitting it to the Altar of Purging, located at the center of the map. During the match, one of your companions will become the Howler. The Howler is tasked with sabotaging their former companion's progress, using additional threats to their advantage to disrupt any progress made. Howlers can summon undead incursions and blighted sacred wards to cause chaos and sow the seeds of dissent from the shadows. Embodying the night terror of the Howler presents unbridled advantages, but those that can master their lunar urges will reign supreme. Howlers can instantly slay their nearest ally, but this will reveal your true Howler form for several seconds. Subsequent kills create longer cooldown times, so feast on your companions wisely. <laughs> Once a slain adventurer's corpse is located, a vote will be called to execute the adventurer suspected of the foul deed. Adventurers and the treacherous howler win through different means. If all howlers are executed successfully through a vote, uh, the adventurers succeed in their grim task. Similarly, if the howlers manage to execute all adventurers, the night is theirs, and the sacred energy bar reaches 100% con- If the sacred energy bar reaches 100% completion, the adventurers win. If all sacred war are destroyed, the Howlers win. Rewards are determined by how much you assist or deter your side's victory, collecting and t- turning in sacred energy, participating and voting with your fellow adventurers your fellow adventurers out, slaying adventurers as the Howler and dealing with threats will contribute to your rewards. Fear the full moon and the stalwart companion, for the crimson reflected in the moon may be your own blood. There's also the returning events. Trial of the Hordes is going on. All clans on deck is, is doing it. There's the Fractured Plane again, the hungering Moon. I've never quite I completed any of these, but maybe I'll give it a try again. Yeah, there's a Conqueror thing, a Wild Brawl, Shady Stock, all this stuff going on. GameSpot wrote Diablo 4 is celebrating the Year of the Dragon with a new limited time event. New cosmetics, powerful buffs, and increased XP gains are in the cards for the Lunar Awakening. This is written by Cameron Kosh. January 30. Diablo 4 is celebrating the Year of the Dragon in style with a new event called Lunar Awakening, one that will transform many of the game's existing activities to have even more lucrative rewards. As detailed in a blog post, which I'll get to, the event is for both the game's Eternal and Seasonal Realms and will run from February 6 to 20, during which players will be able to take powerful new Lunar Shrine effects for a spine. These Shrine buffs are similar to ones already existing in the game and can be found anywhere one would normally find. Shrines. However, Lunar Shrines have an added punch of power and additionally grant 50% bonus XP and 30% increased movement speed while active. During the event, Nightmare Dungeon Sigils can additionally have the special Ancestors' Favor Dungeon affix, which turns all shrines in the dungeon into Lunar Shrines and returns additional Glyph XP upon dungeon completion. Nightmare Dungeon Sigils with the Ancestors' Favor affix will persist after the end of the event, with Blizzard stating pl- players can, quote, feel Feel free to stockpile uh, aways for, so- for days long after the moon has set on Lunar Awakening. And all the while, players are blasting through Sanctuary with these new Shrine effects. They'll be earning Ancestors' Favor, a new currency that can be cashed in for rewards during the event. The Ancestors' Favor reputation features 10 tiers of rewards, with 6 different free cosmetic items to unlock. Additionally, Lunar Awakened uh, themed items will be available for sale in Diablo 4's in-game shop for the duration of the event. Diablo 4 recently kicked off its third season, Season of the Construct, some of you already know this and I've started playing it a little bit, I just haven't had a lot of time, Uh, which introduces Produces the trap-filled vaults for players to conquer and a customizable robot companion. The response to the season has been less than enthusiastic, with many players underwhelmed by the new seasonal mechanics prior to a recent patch that buffed and improved many aspects players had found to be lackluster. As for what's next for Diablo 4, the game will continue to receive new seasons every three months, while the game's first expansion, Vessel of Hatred, is planned for a late 2024 release. And that one was written by Cameron Kosh. If you missed it, I'm going to also include in the show notes the Diablo season of The Construct, which is live now. Um, there's an upgraded battle pass. There's stuff you can learn. There's t- They're talking about the Lunar Awakening limited time event in there as well, which I already talked about. Uh, there are Lunar Shrine boosts. They have like this dragon kind of thing on top of them, so you won't miss them. Um, there's a Lunar Night Market to go run around in. There's some limited time rewards and I think, I'm going to guess that might have to do with like the, I want to say Season Journey kind of thing, maybe. I'm not sure. There's a Bonus Glyph XP during Lunar Awakening. Nightmare Sigils will have a chance to roll the Ancestors' favorite. Apex, which will offer 10% bonus Glyph XP and extra Lunar Shrine spawns for that dungeon. There's a new questline. Recover an Alchemical Apparatus. I haven't quite got there yet. Then you get your Seneschal. A construct. Uh, you can go into the dungeons and hope you don't get trapped in there or harmed in there. I think that's... I don't know. There's a game called Mukborg and I haven't played it yet. I've always wanted to give it a try. I'm going to be doing that sometime soon with some friends of mine. And I kind of feel like maybe this was inspired by... You know, this seasonal dungeons might be inspired by it with all the traps and things. So we'll just see how that goes. There's also a new boss battle, Malthus, Keeper of the Vaults. There's... Uh, you can... Participate. You can compete in the Gauntlet coming soon. I'm not sure exactly what that means. Uh, prove your might in the Gauntlet, a new weekly challenge dungeon to improve your rank and fight for a top spot on the leaderboards. Only the top 1,000 mightiest wanderers of each playstyle, including solo class, party, normal, and hardcore, will make their mark on the weekly leaderboards, and only the top 10 can claim a permanent home in the Hall of the Ancients. Uh, there's some updated gameplay experience. Uh, hell's Hell grows more aggressive... This is the persistent helltide. Battle the hell spawn more often with helltides rising every hour on the hour, giving you more opportunities to turn in cinders for a chance at exceptional loot. There's new power, new endgame boss, skill tree respec stuff going on. Um, free rewards, season blessings and stuff like that that you can get. Some of it is transmogs, this kind of thing. So um, I really haven't jumped into that too much yet. I'm just using like the free battle pass because that's what I wanted to do. And um, I don't usually have the energy to like just burn through the game as fast as possible so I'll just get what I can. I'm sure all of you are probably ahead of me but that's okay. Over on the Blizzard forums, there's a PSA titled Hang On to Unused Uber Uniques written by PezRadar, and he wrote this on February 1st. Hi all. The design team has some upcoming plans for players who may have numerous Uber Uniques that they may not use. The team wanted to get a PSA out to users to hang on to these for now. We will have more information to share soon regarding this, but felt it was important to give an early heads up to the players. So that's nice of him. And here are the patch notes. This is from January 26th. When was this other one? It's February 1st. Okay, well, we've got some patch notes from January 26th, and um, it looks like... I don't know if I've read this one to you before or not. There's a lot of stuff in here to go over, but there's patch notes from the... the. Uh, let's see. Oh, this is actually February 1st. They updated it on February 1st, so that's not too too bad. Okay, so... Uh, game updates, the amount of health a monster with the vampiric affix can heal for has been reduced for World Tier 1. It goes from 10% to 5%, Tier 2, 20 to 10%. Uh, world, till thri- world Tier 3, 35% goes to 15%, and World Tier 4 goes to 25%. Developers note, in a future patch we'll make an additional improvement to the vampi- Vampiric Apex. Projectile attacks from monsters like a Khazra's thrown Spear will gain a visual effect when they are imbued with the Vampiric Apex. This will make it easier to identify which projectiles can heal the monster. The Suppressor Apex has been adjusted. The Suppressor field no longer is always on. It now has a 6 second duration and 50 to 75% uptime the field can be canceled if the monster with the affix is stunned frozen knocked down or dazed we've adjusted the layout and monster spawns for several dungeons smaller adjustments have also been made nightmare dungeon sigils will now display the level that monsters will be for the sigils tier season of the construct here's the following updates to the seneschal's abilities gyrate damage increased by 30 percent pummel damage increased by 30 percent Bushwhack, damage increased by 20%. Impale, damage increased by 30%. Focus Fire, damage increased by 20%. Lightning Bolt, damage increased by 20%. Firefly, damage increased by 10%. And Tempest, damage increased by 10%. Reconstruct. Healing increased from 22% to 32% to of maximum life at level 1. At level 10, the healing is increased from 40% to 50% of maximum life. Frigid support. Damage increased from 50% to 60% of the supported skills damage. Bleeding support. Damage increases increased from 50% to 60% of the supported skills damage. Electrocution support. there you are. There's a thing. Uh, <laughs> damage increased from 50% to 60% of the supported skills damage poison support damage increased from 50 to 60 percent dusk support same numbers burning support same numbers as well there's some bug fixes i always read these because sometimes they're hilarious fixed an issue where the screen reader did not read out available points in the skill tree or paragon menus oh that's a problem Um, if you don't know what a screen reader is it's for people who have who are visually impaired or who are blind um, entirely, and who can't—they won't know. Like things pop up a lot in Diablo Four. Like you go over to a little structure, and it'll give you a pop-up with a description of what this thing is, and it doesn't read it out. You know, if the screen reader's not reading out for people that need it, that's bad, and I'm really hoping that they got that fixed, because how else would these people play the game? You know, It's just like, you need that, put it back. So I I guess they did. Fixed an issue where the screen reader didn't function properly when viewing possible Aphexes when enchanting. Okay, that's another problem uh, that apparently has been fixed. Fixed an issue where the screen reader didn't announce if an active governing stone would function with a highlighted tuning stone. Fixed an issue where the screen reader pronounced the rank incorrectly when ranking up the Seneschal. Fixed an issue where the screen reader didn't properly communicate the text related to smoldering ashes and fixed an issue where the screen reader didn't read out the titles of the tabs in the social menu okay so here's some season of the construct stuff outside of that uh fixed an issue where season journey chapters four and uh five and five and six did not reflect the power item the item power for the rewards received from completing the chapters. Fixed an issue where Azuhan was missing from the gate hall after the seasonal quest line was completed. Fixed an issue where Azuhan didn't attack enemies during the tumor quest, whatever that is. Fixed an issue where a duplicate Azuhan could be seen during the A Body Stolen, A Body Made quest. Look in my eyes, I've got double vision. That's what it says. Um, fixed an issue where A Body Stolen, A Body Made could have progression blocked if all enemies were killed before the objective updates to destroy the corrupted runestones. Fixed an issue where the fog wall encounter in the body stolen the body made quest could malfunction when playing in a party. Fixed an issue where the player could get stuck between a wall and a chest during the miracle quest. (laughs) Oh no. Fixed an issue where items carried on the player's player character's back become invisible during the miracle quest. Fixed an issue where the world he knew quest could not be completed if all seneschal stones had already been upgraded to max level. Fixed an issue where the world he knew quest displayed that the player must craft a tuning stone when instead the objective is to craft a seneschal cache. The fixed an issue where progressing through the drums of the vault quest could cause instability in local co-op play. Fixed multiple issues where quest, quest progression for a separated wound would be blocked if the player teleported away and back. Fixed an issue where the dungeon could be left for completing the Enne- uh, Ennead quest. Fixed an issue where the Seneschal ability gyrates displayed an incorrect damage value for the next rank of the ability. Fixed an issue where chill stacks from the Seneschal's frigid support ability would not apply in certain circumstances as when the player dies and is revived. Fixed an issue where the damage over time effects applied by a Seneschal did not benefit from class passives or legendary item effects, such as burning damage not benefiting from the sorcerer's warmth. Fixed various other UI issues related to the Seneschal. Fixed an issue where Seneschal cast just could be opened before acquiring a seneschal, which would result in getting nothing from the cache. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> Fixed an issue where tuning and governing stone rarities didn't display properly when socketed. Fixed an issue where slowing tuning stones had the wrong name in the tooltip when dropped on the ground. Fixed an issue where multiple tuning stone tooltips wouldn't update when paired with a duration stone. I guess they don't like each other. Fixed an issue where Son of Malthus could be damaged by traps, which could lead to players first encountering him with low health. I could see where that would be a problem. Fixed an issue where turret traps could fire invisible projectiles. Oh, that's brutal. I'm glad they fixed that one. Uh, Fixed an issue where lightning floor traps could still affect a player player characters with various immune effects active, such as blood mist or deep freeze. Fixed an issue where rotating pillar traps could not fully go back underground if the player died and came back to where the trap was. (laughs) Fixed an issue where the visual effect for damage over time applied by trapped chests did not last the entire duration of the damage. Fixed an issue where the gate hall displayed an alchemist as an available service in the map. Maybe he's not there after all. Um, fixed an issue where the ritual of undoing menu displayed placeholder text. That's a, That's a problem. Uh, fixed an issue where players couldn't use leave dungeon while inside the library in various circumstances. Fixed an issue where the warning prompt about removing charges was missing when using leave dungeon to exit a vault, and various miscellaneous fixes for the seasonal questline. Gameplay's got a little bit in here. It's also stuff about dungeons and strongholds and interface and stuff like that. Um, and I'll leave you to read those. They'll all be on chattersoulstone.com when I'm done talking about all these things. Over at Wowhead, from three days ago, Arctane posted... Earn cosmetics through Ancestors' Favor Reputation, Diablo 4 Lunar Awakening. And it's got some pictures in here that are kind of neat. Lunar Awakening-themed Whisper Bounties are available throughout the event, making them an excellent place to earn Ancestors' Favor Reputation while appeasing the Tree of Whispers. There are ten Ancestors' Favor Reputation levels in total to earn and six different Lunar-themed cosmetic rewards to unlock. Celebrate with Ying Yu, Y-U-E, and bask in the glow of Lunar Awakening when it arrives on February 6th. So there's a Lunar Awakening Bow, an Awakening Staff, an Awakening Two-Handed Axe, an Awakening Backpack. Interesting. Um, Awakening Markings and an Awakening Horse that you can obtain in this. There's some pictures here in the Wowhead article if you want to take a look at those. And that's pretty much all that's in that particular one. On January 30, Diablo 4 posted... Luminant Prosperity Awaits in Lunar Awakening from February 6, 10 a.m. to February 20, 10 a.m. PST. Players in both Seasonal and Eternal Realms can bask in the resplendency and joy of the Lunar Awakening limited time event. A mysterious phenomenon is manifesting throughout the shrines of Sanctuary, enchanting them with immense and prosperous power. Celebrators believe this to be their ancestors, blessing them from beyond the grave to celebrate this joyous occasion. There is a little video in here that connects to YouTube. Identify and activate lunar shrines throughout all areas and activities found within Sanctuary. While active, you will earn 50% bonus XP multiplicative and have 30% increased movement speed plethora of buffs, all while earning Ancestors' Favor reputation. Lunar Awakening has dawned. To fully enjoy the revelry of Lunar Awakening, travel to Ked Bardu and head to the northern section of town. Once there, you'll meet Ying Yu, the leader of the Lunar Night Market. This market is your central hub for Lunar Awakening, where you'll redeem your Ancestors' Favor reputation for extravagant Lunar Renewal-themed rewards. Lunar shrines are spread throughout Sanctuary. Fight your way through both Dungeons and the Overworld, activating lunar shrines and slaying monsters to earn copious amounts of ancestors favor reputation. Lunar shrines can be identified by their appearance adorned with a dragon in celebration of Lunar Awakening. Lunar shrines also have a unique map icon making them easy to identify from a distance During Lunar Awakening, Nightmare Dungeon sigils and Nightmare Vault sigils will have a chance to have an Ancestors Favor dungeon Apex which guarantees only lunar shrines spawn for that dungeon In addition to the extra shrines, you will also receive 10% bonus the Glyph XP once the dungeon is complete. All Nightmare Dungeon sigils with the Ancestors' Favor Apex will ret- retain it once the event has ended, so feel free to stockpile away for days long after the moon has set on Lunar Awakening. Lunar Shrines and Ancestors. Lunar Shrines are coursing with a mysterious and immense power. Celebrations of the Lunar Awakening believe this power to be returning spirits of our ancestors adorned to mark the special occasion. During the Lunar Awakening some shrines have been replaced with Lunar Shrines with an updated appearance to to match the festivities. Lunar shrines function similarly to typical shrines, but they have been augmented for an extra punch to celebrate this festive event. Lunar shrines provide an exciting bonus effect on top of their regular shrine power. The lunar effect shrines are listed below. Here they are. There's the artillery shrine. Casts have a chance to summon a holy holy bomb. Well, blast wave shrine. Each explosion summons a cluster bombardment. Channeling shrine increases attack speed and chance to reset cooldowns. Conduit Shrine. That's my favorite. Um, Summon frequent powerful shocking strikes. Greed Shrine. Chance to summon a treasure goblin while the shrine is active. 25 kills summons a treasure goblin and 50 kills summons a second. Lethal Shrine. Chance to instantly execute a struck monster causing fear on surrounding monsters. Note this includes elites, but excludes bosses and other players. Protection Shrine. You reflect all incoming damage. Damage ref reflected scales with level and world tier. On top of these powerfully amplified effects, miserly spirits spawn immediately when a lunar shrine is activated, allowing you to immediately capitalize on the shrine's specific gameplay augmentation. It's a little hard to say. Additionally, a lunar awakening-themed whisper bounties are available throughout the event, making them an excellent place to earn Ancestors' Favor reputation and appeasing the Tree of Whispers. There's also Don Lunar Garments and Shrine. There are 10 Ancestor Favor reputation-level in total to earn, and six different Lunar-themed cosmetic rewards to unlock. Lunar Awakening-themed garments will also be available in Tahal's shop, materializing to adorn your Wanderer in threads befitting this joyous occasion. We've also got over on Maxroll from Dread Scythe. he has written Lunar Awakening Limited Time Event. It was updated on February 1st, so that's pretty recent. So here's part of what he wrote. A new Lunar Awakening Limited Time Event is coming to Diablo 4. This event brings new dragon ...themed lunar shrines to the World of Sanctuary and that augments existing shrines into new versions with powerful abilities. Key takeaways. Event goes from February 6th to February 20th. Look for lunar shrines in the open world, dungeons, nightmare dungeons, etc. that augment the powers of existing shrines. Miserly spirits will spawn when you activate a lunar shrine to immediately take advantage of the effect... Kill enemies with the Lunar Shrines buff to earn Ancestors' favor to put towards Lunar Renewal cosmetic rewards. There are specific Lunar Awakening whispers during the event. There will also be a special, or sorry, specific Ancestors' favor affliction that you can roll on Nightmare Dungeon sigils, which guarantees only Lunar Shrines that, and grant 10 percent more glyph XP. So from February 6 to 10 a.m. to February 20, 10 a.m. PTS players in uh, PST players, I guess, uh, in both seasonal and eternal realms can bask in the resplendency and joy of the lunar awakening, a limited time event a mysterious phenomenon is manifesting throughout the shrines of Sanctuary enchanting them with immense and prosperous power. So, uh, celebrators believe this to be their ancestors blessing them from beyond the grave to celebrate this joyous occasion. There is a video in this as well and some of the rest is photos from the game which you need to show people what you're talking about, right? So identify and activate lunar shrines throughout all areas and activities found within Sanctuary. While active, you will earn 50% bonus XP, multiplicative, and have 30% increased movement speed, a plethora of buffs, all while earning Ancestors' Favor reputation. To fully enjoy the revelry of Lunar Awakening, travel to Ked Bardu. I think I kind of read some of this before, but he's put it in here because not everybody's going to go to every website for these things, you know? There is an article on Wowhead written by Arctane, Titled "Who Is Zoltan Cool: The History of the Fallen Horadric Mage," and they've got him with like a very shiny background and like those glasses that people put over characters to, I think it means deal with it or something like that. And um, so here's just a little bit. I think some of us that have been playing the Diablo games forever know who Zoltan Cool is, but this goes deeper into that and i'll read you a little bit of it but i highly highly recommend that if you don't know much about zoltan cool to read this yourself it'll be in the show notes um but here's a little bit so arctane wrote this just who is zoltan cool and why does their very name invoke feelings of contempt and respect in some What exactly did they do to deserve their fate? Let's take a deep dive into Zoltan Kuhl, one of the most complex characters in all of Diablo. Just as a blade scars the flesh, so too do the horrors of the world damn the soul. It is up to every one of us to keep the darkness from encroaching on our hearths as well as our hearts. More than a mage. So I'm going to read you just a little, because this is long, okay? Hero, genius, idealist, visionary, megalomaniac, murderer, Exiled Herodic Mage has been called many things by many people. An incredibly conflicted figure, Zoltan Cool truly embodies everything that is the human condition, for better or worse. Zoltan Cool was one of the founding members of the Herodrum, a hand-selected team of the most powerful mage warriors by none other than Tyriel, Archangel of Justice, to rid sanctuary of the Prime Evils after the events of the Dark Exile banished them to the mortal world. Then it says the Beginnings, the Eonod Mage Clan. I hope I pronounced that right. Maybe it's Eniad. Cool hailed from the Eniad Mage Clan, one of only three clans to maintain their influence following the Sin War. There's a book on that you can look up. It's really good. It's a three-part series. Uh, the Eniad were masters of alchemy, alteration, transmutation, and enchantment. From youth, Cool was dedicated to their study. Described by others as the as intelligent, uh, intelligent and pious, he would write many tomes on these schools. Jared Kane, one of the other founding members of the Haradrim, said of Kool that in all things he glimpsed the elements of life ripe for growth. He was, in his better days, driven by dreams of elevating his fellow man to wondrous new heights. Cool, perhaps above all other Haradrim, had the power and wisdom to bring his grand vision of a better world, one devoid of its inherent flaws, to fruition. For his expertise in manipulating physical objects, Cool was tasked by Tyrael to safeguard the Soul Stones when the Herodrum was formed. And then we have K'nai's Cube. If you've played Diablo Three, you kinda know what that is, and he'll tell you a little bit about it in-game if you care to talk to him. Yeah, so before setting out on their journey, the newly found Herodrum concurred that they required a powerful tool that would assist them in their hunt for Diablo, Mephisto, and Bale. For this purpose, Cool designed a device, appearing no more than a simple cube, each face etched with with filigree, yet capable of incredible feats of transmutation magic, things given proper application. So dangerous was the process of creating the cube that even with the power of all the Haradrim combined, they were nearly destroyed before beginning their quest. Not much is known about the details of the cube's construction, save for a precious few scraps of information gleaned from fragments of the Dark Exile Scrolls. So here's a little bit of that uh, from the Dark Exile Scrolls. Uh, They don't match, they don't make a narrative together, but there's just pieces of these that someone has collected. Probably some of the Haradrim, I would guess. All agreed that the cube was necessary if the hunt for the three was to be successful. They thought they understood the dangers. For weeks, the fires burned, the smiths hammered, and the mages changed. uh, Mages changes. Um, Don't know if I read that right or not. Uh, Those who spent too long in the forge wandered wide-eyed and unblinking in the daylight. They did not sleep. When the physical material of the cube was forged, the real work began. Ten Haradrim took it deep into the cave, to a place that should have never been disturbed. Of the cave, ten Haradrim channeled powers arcane and mystic. Ten felt their sanity slipping away, and nine averted their eyes as the cube came alive. It was done, and the scars would remain forever. And so it was time for the final step, the one each of them had secretly hoped would not come to pass. Still, none could deny the transcendent transcendent power of the cube. With its might, the impossible seemed to be within their grasp. But one of their number came to realize the growing danger. A simple errand led him away from the others, and he experienced a moment of clarity that would change the fates of all. He called the nine together and declared that the cube must be put away, hidden even from them, perhaps from them most of all. Seven of the nine concurred, and so the cube was taken under cover of darkness entrusted. Since the cube was too dangerous for the Haradrim to wield, it would be secreted away to Mount Ariat, placed in the hands of Chief Elder Kanai for safekeeping against the wishes of Kul and one other. With the cube surrounded by Kanai, the Haradrim turned their efforts towards creating a more stable, lesser version, the Haradric cube. Despite its reduced potency, it would prove invaluable in countless rituals and experiments. And then it starts talking about the soul stones, and there's some very old art here that came out of Blizzard from, I could have been even just Diablo, I don't know if Sultan Cool is part of that, but there's just this really cool creepy art that I kind of dig. There's a little more it talks about uh, Mephisto, Lord of Hatred would be the first found and felled with the great fortress of bone in the desert of Kejistan, Mephisto and his undead garrison were besieged by the Haradrim. The group nearly perished yet succeeded with the help of the Haradrim Kathan, a priest who cleverly turned the tide of pe- the perilous battle with their right spell Holy Bolt. Mephisto would be driven from the fortifications culminating in a battle with the Prime in a nearby city center. Countless innocent lives were lost in the chaos of the battle, but Mephisto ultimately fell to the Haradrim's unwavering spirit. Baal was the second to succumb to the Haradrim. After Bale fled from Lutgolane in the deserts of Ar... Anorak. The Haradrim fought the Lord of Destruction out in the open waste to avoid more collateral damage. During their battle, the Amber Soulstone was damaged irreparably. With no known course, it was speculated that either Baal damaged it with a powerful spell... Or and Cool handled the stone improperly during battle. After Bale was slain, the largest soul stone shard contained his spirit, although only temporarily. Talrasha volunteered to sacrifice his body to contain the demon, not unlike demonic possession. Most accounts ascribe the plan for the bodily prison to Talrasha himself. Deckard Kane, however, suggested the plan was Zoltan Kuhl's. Nevertheless, after Talrasha accepted the grim task, Tyriel appeared and thanked him for his sacrifice. The Archangel then led the Haradrim into the burial chambers of ancient kings, within vast tunnels carved into the canyon. There, Talrasha was chained to a binding stone, and the Soulstone shard was driven through his heart by Tyriel, forcing Baal's spirit into the mage's body. With the binding complete, the remaining Haradra material sealed Talrasser's tomb, leaving him to struggle against Bale's destructive power forever. And it goes on from here. There's a section about Kool's descent to madness in here and a bunch of other stuff. It just goes on and on. It's really good. It's really interesting. I read it over completely before I started the show, and I think it's worth reading. So I read you some. If you're interested, you can go check that out as well. Also from Maxroll, we have from Mudijo, the Twisting Blades Rogue Endgame Build Guide that was posted today, February 3rd. Welcome to the Twisting Blades Rogue Endgame Guide. This is an extraordinary speed-farming build that clears faster than almost anything else in the game. However, such power comes at a price. Your defenses are mediocre, and it has a high skill ceiling. If you're looking for a fun and agile rogue build, you've come to the right place. So here's a few things it uses. Twisting Blades is a two-step melee attack. At first, you attack a single enemy for a moderate amount of damage, then the blades return to you from that enemy's position after a short delay. These returning blades are the core the build and what you need to play around to succeed. On their path, they hit all enemies for high damage, and combined with various mobility skills like Evade, Dash, and Shadow Step, you can annihilate entire packs at once during their flight. There are different variations of this build combining this core skill with varying imbuements and other effects. There's some stuff below that adds more detail to that. All in all, Twisting Blades is a very versatile skill that can do everything well, making this build a great all-rounder choice. While it may be difficult to get the hang of it right away when you first play it, don't despair. with some practice and our guide you are ab- you two are able to succeed with the twisting blades rogue in Diablo four and then there's um, difficulty and, and all these other things in here so if you 're going to play a rogue which I did for the previous season um, I did throw blades at things i don 't remember them coming back at me or anything so that I could kill more but um, they kind of did I guess you just sort of the, the rogue I had i don 't know if it was a glitch or or something but if I had her fight a group of enemies. And she killed them all. She would just keep throwing knives or, you know, shooting like the crossbow and stuff. It was really fun. And I, You know, and now she's not a seasonal character anymore, so I could probably go back and play that some more. And lastly, we have improvements to Seneschal Stones coming in Patch 1.3.1 posted four days ago for Diablo 4, of course. This is on Wowhead written by Popular Topular and um, it's got a lot of the stuff that I've already read to you for Season of the Construct with um, the different types of things that are changing. 30%, 20%, 10%, that sort of thing. That's in there. So you can take your pick about which of these you want to read when you see it over at ShatteredSoulstone.com and that's where I'm going to end the show. You have been listening to episode 444 of The Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in-game. Our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone, are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter, at Shattered Stone, as well as the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening.